Greetings, fellow investigators, and welcome back to our video podcast, Into the Darkness, where my friends and I play the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game. I'm your host, Tom Rayleigh. Our campaign is entitled Intersections. It's part of World War Cthulhu uh, Cold War series. Matthew Sanderson is our game master, and this is episode two. I will be giving the recap as Dr. Jason Jacoby. So, without further delay, let's begin our journey into the darkness. <clears throat> Notes from the Journal of Dr. Jason Jacoby, Biological Research Scientist. Update number 19740206.2023. Summary. Priority 1, Section 46 Assignments. Determine the current threat from existing adversus humanitatum groups within the Middle Eastern theater. Priority 2, CHQ Assignment. Vladim Kasikov, Assessment and Possible Extraction from Istanbul. Priority 3, Ongoing Personal Research into the Ichthyandrian Presence in the Sea of Marmara. Priority 1 Review. Received a communique from N concerning the diversity and frequency of transmundane groups within the Middle Eastern theater due to the declination of once powerful groups such as the Brotherhood of the Skin. We are to identify the cause of this former cult's decline. We are to determine which groups are currently active within the Middle Eastern theater and their level of influence. We are to prevent any incursions by these groups and counteract any threats to the stability of the region. It is suggested by N that the information dealer, Utku Majash, be utilized as a source for leads in the area of investigation. Priority 2 Review on Tuesday, February 5th, 1974, I was contacted by CIA officials and transported via Learjet to headquarters at Langley. The flight took approximately 11 hours and it was uneventful. In DC, I was taken to the Fairfax Hotel and was briefed along with two unfamiliar operatives, Robert LeBeau and Ian Summerton, concerning the possible defection of one Vladim Kasikov. Kasikov holds the rank of first captain in the Soviet Navy. It is believed that he is also a KGB agent, though this is not confirmed. Our assignment was delivered by Regional Director for Near Middle Eastern Operations, Thaddeus Dunbar, and Jeremy Mueller, his assistant. We were to fly back to Istanbul posing as officers of the American consulate in Turkey. Our contacts are the CIA station chief in Istanbul, Kyle Layton, a field agent named Gail Bennett, and Oscar Harlow, the consular general. A meeting has been arranged with the information dealer, Utkuma Jash, who apparently has HQ's confidence. We are to assess Kasikov's value and risk to the CIA and lift him if it is warranted. Priority 3 Review while flying from Paris to Istanbul, encountered two civilians of possible significance. The first was a middle-aged male who was inebriated. I did not encounter him directly, but observed him. The physical encounter came at the end of the flight during debarkation. Agent LeBeau stumbled into the man, causing him to inadvertently drop a small golden object. Upon examination, I determined the artifact was possibly ichthyandrian in origin. The man, however, did not have any of the expected mutations. I need to assess his involvement, if possible. We'll try to obtain a passenger manifest. 
The second individual was a woman I first encountered in the Paris airport terminal. She seemed to recognize me and became very agitated. Throughout the flight, she was quite nervous. I made a decision to confront her, which only further added to the mystery. She was most definitely a civilian with no military or covert training. Her reaction was one of terror. She ran immediately to the toilet and vomited. I have not been able to determine why she would have such a strong reaction to my presence. Upon arriving in Istanbul, the woman ran from the airplane. As a result, she left behind her handbag. I discreetly ascertained that she was an architect named Miriam Coach. Further investigation, I believe, is warranted. Following the usual protocol, I determined that Agents LeBeau and Summerton were, in fact, Section 46. And I intend on discussing my knowledge of the artifact and its origins with them once we are within a private venue. We were picked up at the airport by uh, Agent Bennett and taken directly to the consulate. So far, I give this current situation a danger level of one out of five. All right, thank you very much, Tom. Always love to hear the recaps. That's uh, one, one of my favorite parts of the episode. <laughs> Right, as we left it then, uh, we had the car driven by Bennett had pulled up outside of the American consulate. Uh, it's almost like a modern day castle in a sense. The building is very square, but sits on top of a hill that has a good commanding view of the area around it. Um, very white, uh, whitewashed buildings. It's, it very much stands out, it is, it is a local landmark. Um, Bennett um, parks the car, leads you up to the front entrance into the nice um, opulent lobby. Um, there's a metal detector that you'd have to pass, so a bit like an airport, there's a fair degree of security here. And as mentioned then previously, that she would take you up to the consulate's um, general's office, or up to Harlow's office. And um, there you are shown into the, into the waiting room, just outside, where there are one, two, three, three other people waiting for you. So I think introductions may be in order. Um, we'll do a quick round robin for the um, for your new partners. There, uh, we'll start with uh, Mr. Postgate, I believe. Thank you. Um, my name is Henry Postgate. I'm um, a field officer attached to the Eastern Istanbul office. Um, I'm largely involved in cryptographics. Uh, I, I do some. Um, field work these days but I'm mainly stuck in a desk job and um, analyzing incoming uh, data not really much to tell desk jockey um, if I can get a chance to be out in the field I jump at it no air conditioning in that office foul <laughs> too much of a luxury there oh. The window open, that's the best we can. Right. And next round we have uh, Mr. O'Sullivan. Hi, uh, Eamon O'Sullivan. Um, previously of the US Marine Corps, uh, now field officer for the CIA. Mostly I uh, like using guns and interrogation methods, doing some dirty work clean up jobs and things like that. That's about it for now. Mm -hmm. 
Sorry, uh, so are you a janitor? I'm sorry. <laughs> Some may call me that, I guess. Cleaner, janitor, whatever. He's, he's Mr. Wolf. <laughs> Co oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Drive a really fast car, really fast. Great. Uh, last but not least, we have is Mr. Combs or Coombs? Combs. Uh, I'm going to smile at uh, the others and I say, I'm an intelligence officer working on the border of the Soviet bloc. Um, I've done a little bit of this and that, but uh, let's just say that everything I've done is a little covert and on the hush-hush, so I can't really divulge too much. And I kind of give a, a very big smile. Um, and who are you three? Uh, I don't know anything about you people who have just come in. Uh, there'll be plenty of time for that later. I'm jo Dr. Jason Jacoby. Dr. Jacoby. Ian Summerton. I'm out of Berlin and Hartford. So what exactly uh, is going on? I was uh, pulled off of some of the mission for this to kind of, uh, uh, kind of straighten up. Well, unless we can verify that you are on the same operation that we are, it's classified. And I, and I kind of uh, give a, a smirk with that. I take your smirk and I up you a smirk. <laughs> <laughs> There's a couple of moments of, um, of waiting. We're not, you're not kept waiting too long. Um, in which case, the secretary opens up the door um, a large double door that leads into a much larger office and says, uh, the Consulate General will see you now if you'd like to uh, come in, please. Okay. And leads you into an office that has a large mahogany oval desk at one end and a nice commanding view behind, um, looking down to the rest of the district below. Um, there are two men in here, uh, one of which, well, one of which definitely seems to be Harlow, as previously mentioned, and the other one, almost certainly Kyle Layton, has said that you'll be meeting with your um, station chief here. Uh, Layton looks a little scruffy, shall we say. He's a little rough around the edge. Um, his hair is a little um, a little wild. His, um, his collar's undone. His tie's almost halfway uh, down his neck. Um, but he still radiates um, through his smile and his general body language an air of confidence and authority. Harlow is pretty much dressed up to the nines. He is prim, he's proper, um, and there's not even there's not a hair out of place. Um, there's a set of there's a set of chairs in an arc around the oval table. Um, Harlow, with a big beaming smile and wide open arms, says, "Gentlemen, please, please take a seat. Um, hopefully, this won't take too long, and we can uh, we can get everything going for you." All right. Thank you. Thank you, sir. So I understand you've come in via a couple of different flights, uh, obviously making sure that then you don't um, pick up on anyone's radar, that there's a large group of uh, friends coming in together. I understand you're all here about our, um, our Kazakov problem. Indeed. That is correct. Right. Um, I'll hand over to Kyle here, just to... Uh, give you the rundown on what's been, uh, what's happening. And at which point, Kyle steps forward. 
Right, I hope everyone had a pleasant flight, uh, or flights for, I mean, there's very rarely getting a direct flight out here these days. It was definitely an interesting flight. <laughs> well, a bit turbulence, or? You, you could say that. <laughs> ah, a little bit of turbulence, a little bit of excitement. A little bit of turbulence, for more turbulence for some people than others. <laughs> uh, I can pretty much sleep anywhere. I'll get me on a flight, I'll be out like a light. So I, it takes the really bad turbulence to wake me up. But anyway, enough about me. Um, how much have you been briefed on so far? Because I don't particularly want to teach you how to suck eggs. Are we, we're all in on this together then, yes? Yeah, he does a kind of count round looking at each, uh, clock, clocking each face. I think we have one other agent scheduled to come in. Um, he flicks through a set of notes on the desk. Uh, that would be... Uh, actually, more of, a, more of a scientist, actually. Um, she, he looks a little bit confused and kind of raises an eyebrow and scratches his head. I don't know why they've assigned a nuclear physicist to this, but fair enough. Uh, well, it sounds like a standard walk-in. That's kind of yes. what we've been briefed on. And, you know, my assumption here is that Dr. Jacoby and this upcoming scientist are here to vet the information that Kazakov can give us, depending on which way, if it's more of a, a technical nature, if it's more nuclear or tactical or whatever, then we, it's, it looks like we have everybody here who could either vouch for his information or tell him it sucks, right? Yeah, he nods. Yeah, that certainly seems, yeah, seems plausible. Not a name I've come across in Italy. I, um, does anyone recognize Natalia Volkova? Is anyone that you've worked with before? Not me. Name sounds familiar. No. Not me. I've been no. here in the Soviet block on the border for close to a year and a half. How uh, how thoroughly has she been vetted? Obviously, she has a Russian name. Oh yeah, I believe that say she's definitely got clearance from the top. Otherwise, she wouldn't be on. It would be on this. This is true. And that your your names have been put together at almost the highest level for this. So I'm I'm pretty much given what I've been. I'm going with what I've been given. Well, am I to understand that we are to meet uh, Mr. Uh, Utkumajash, uh, the information dealer, and he is going to help us set up a meeting with, Vas uh, with Kasikov? Yes, that is correct. In fact, that'll be happening tomorrow night. Um, Majash, um, he just pause for a second. Um, you met with the regional director, yes? Yes. Yeah. How did he pronounce his name? Huh. Makar. Mm. You, you can see him roll his eyes and think, yeah, the man doesn't understand anything about Turkey. He's, his interests are more out towards the more Arabic-speaking countries. At least he knows the language. Yes, uh, Turkish language does not function the way you think it does. Yes, Majash, not Makar. Um, He's agreed to a meeting tomorrow night at the Galata Tower. Um, it's been converted um, some time ago to a series of um, nightclubs, restaurants on the upper floors. And it seems to be in this um, post-war uh, era of espionage in town, it seems to be the new Park Hotel um, that it's become 
um, a hotbed for any of our organisations, intelligence agencies, to want to get a want to get a table there. We know there are still some that like the old um, the old ways and still go to the places like the park and the Parapalis Hotel. Uh, particularly the Brits, they love the Parapalis. He only rolls his eyes a bit. But yeah, the Galata Tower is a seemingly understandable location for him to choose. Uh, dinner will be tomorrow at seven o'clock. Um, he will then brief you on the uh, time and location that Kazakov will choo uh, choose for the initial meet. Uh, you are to go to the um, to that initial meeting, uh, make contact, find out what the terms he wants to come in by, and try to get any and all information out of him as much as you possibly can. So we want to try and let's say um, make this a nice profitable walk-in. Or if it does turn out that he is a plant, or there's, there's some kind of ruse, uh, but at least again we can get as much out of it before we just throw him back to his uh, superiors. Sure. Oh, we'll make him talk. We'll make him talk. <laughs> I promise. Yeah, he, sm he smiles at that, but you can see there's almost a slight look of worry in his eyes. Yeah, me too. <laughs> in terms of um, local situation, do we know if the other side's got eyes on him? Honestly, we're not sure. Um, we do know that Kazakov is normally accompanied by a business partner when he comes in from Odessa. Mm -hmm. um, that individual, he quickly flicks through his notes. Uh, ugly looking guy. Um, Definitely not um, not one that you'd have to worry about uh, stealing your girlfriend. He is commercial break as my computer suddenly decides to go really slow. Uh, Vladimir Tumanov. So another Vlad. Well, there's Va Vadim and Vlad. They they sound fairly similar. Tumanov. Yes. <laughs> Do we know how Tumanov and him are connected, other than just being business partners? Oh, they're both—they're both ex-Soviet Navy. Um, he was a captain second rank, so Kazakov technically outranks Tumanov. Two captains in the Soviet Navy. Hmm. Is Tumanov his muscle? Mm, I think, from what we've seen. Um, and Kazakov himself is more of the muscle than uh, than Tumanov is. Tumanov okay. is, you know, let's say he's not exactly renowned for his looks. Um, I think he would be more <clears throat> more akin to having a I'm having a gun in his hand rather than using his fist. He's not muscle in that sense. Now is Tumanov in on it, or uh, do we have to keep this from Tumanov? Good question. Ah, I think I suppose that will be one to put to Kazakov. We'll have to figure that out for ourselves. Be discreet. Has Kazakov given us any kind of um, like? Do we know any sort of his background? You mentioned that Tumanov is his business partner. Is Kazakov fronting as a businessman for any particular? Yep, uh, for Odessa Marine Exports, uh, they are a Soviet company which are establishing various trade routes across the Black Sea. Um, this is something we've seen with various ex-Navy or even current Navy uh, figures within the region. <laughs> Their knowledge of the area because of the contacts they have in various ports, they're being picked up by the KGB as prime recruitment. Uh, 
um, they basically they're an asset they can't pass up and so they're using that regional knowledge to give them an edge when they set someone here to be their home turf um, both Kazakov and Tumanov were stationed in the Black Sea while they were in, uh, in active service and now both of them were recruited into as far as we can tell both of them were recruited into Odessa Marine Exports uh, about five years ago and so they've, they've served a similar time they've done a similar job they make circuits of the of the sea pick up new business it then gives an in for the uh, for the KGB or they say the intelligence services to various companies to be able to track movements of goods going across the region again port uh, ship movements the works so that that actually gives us an in as far as pretending to be American consulate um, officials seeking to make trade trades with uh, east-west relations so it makes it look like that's what we're meeting him for Yep, that's why virtually any consulate agent you find in this city is almost uh, got a very high probability of being a spy. Right. Um, do you have any other questions for myself at the moment? Um, who do I talk to? Um, uh, there's a there's a bit of information uh, in another direction that I'd like to pursue, and I just. Uh, I'd like to get, for instance, the manifest of the airplane that we were last on, um, the, the passenger manifest. Um, it's just a hunch. I have a funny hunch about one of the passengers. Okay, he, he raises an eyebrow. Well, do, you, do you think you've been made? Well, I'll admit, there was somebody who gave me some very strange looks but I don't believe she was an agent of any kind. Okay, he, th he thinks for a second, then he nods. I can, I can get someone on that. It may take a few hours, but we can, we can probably get that for you. I just need first class, so. <laughs> oh, that'd be even easier then. Yeah. So. Thank you. Yeah, we'll, we'll get on that. <clears throat> Is there going to be a way to arm up? Get missions? He looks at you, kind of, he just goes slightly wider-eyed for a second. Um, consular agents aren't exactly renowned for carrying <laughs> firearms around the, around the city, but if you believe that this is something that could get hot rather quickly, then we can provide firearms, yes. Uh, I would be very, concerned, or very uh, anxious to make sure that you keep them and only as a last resort, but yeah, we can, we can get you something. I appreciate it. We're, we're going in as businessmen, pretending to broker a deal with him. That should also give us a way to say to uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Tumanoff that we need to speak to Kasikov in private without his assistant there. Okay. He does a quick look around the rest. Well, failing, failing that, we can always co concoct some reason to separate the two. Of course. All right. I, I can't think of any other questions, gentlemen. I'm just admiring his suit. <laughs> bespoke recognizes bespoke, right? <laughs> yeah, even, even down to his uh, suit, Leighton has uh, several creases 
um, that he has yet to, uh, yet to address. It seems like uh, he's quite happy to look on face value vaguely professional, but it is an uh, emphasis on the vaguely. He, no, um, I'm talking about Harlow's suit. Oh, Harlow, sorry. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. You, you want to meet his tailor. They've done a good oh, job. Oh, I probably already have. <laughs> <laughs> right. How about um, lodging and such? How are we... <laughs> Late, late and chuckles. That was exactly my next point I was going to bring up. He reaches, he reaches into a drawer, uh, or pulls open the drawer and reaches in, and then hands out, uh, Mitchell, he's got eight envelopes. So he looks between you and then um, hands two across to Jacoby and says, I'll, I'll give you the extra one for uh, your nuclear physicist, again, he raises an eyebrow, uh, when she arrives. Right. That you, uh, that you can hand this to her. Uh, we have lodgings set for you. We didn't want to put you up in a hotel because we don't know how long you're going to be here. So we wanted to give you a somewhat more stable base of operations. It is a little bit of a hike from here, uh, but we want to have you stationed in Bayalu. Mainly because that is the international district. Um, it's where a lot of the other consulates are. We are a little bit removed from them up here. Um, it'll be a way for you to pretty much be on the ground where most things happen in the city. It's also not that far from the glass tower, so it means that you have a, a good place to retreat back to should anything happen or you don't have to worry about travel time, particularly having to rush through downtown. You can quite happily walk from there. Um, it's an apartment complex or apartment block. Uh, there are, I believe, eight rooms in the apartment, so there'll be enough for you all. Um, enough to have private space and so on. Um, in each envelope, you'll find um, a key uh, for each one. Uh, divide them up as you want. Say if anyone wants to claim a particular room, then fight it out amongst yourselves. I'm not bothered about who's who's where or next to who, as long as you all get along and do your job, really. Uh, Harlow, at that point, coughs as interjection. Yes, yes, about, uh, about doing a job here. Um, I can't stress enough that this is a particularly well-oiled, well-run ship that we have here. And pardon me if I'm being a bit blunt, I don't want you fucking it all up. So just make sure that you do a good, you do a good job, that you do it right, and you don't cause us any unnecessary aggro. Um, I'm not particularly fond of having um, the individuals here we've already got, but obviously doing duty for country and such. So... Just make sure don't don't cause me any aggro. Otherwise, I'm quite happy to call uh, call some friends of mine in rather high places to make sure that you get slingshot back across that Atlantic as fast as you fucking can. Do I make myself clear? Absolutely, sir. Hi, Crystal. Yes, sir. Perfect. He has a big grin. We want to thank you. <laughs> he slaps Leighton very hard on the back, uh, noticeably hard on the back. And then, right, gents, you can have um, you can have the office for as long as you need. Just one last thing: um, mm -hmm. if we're posing as businessmen, um, are we being given legends, or are we expected to come up with that ourselves? No, nope, they've already been provided. You should have some documentation that will um, be able to confirm that. Okay. It looks to Leighton and Leighton nods. Very well. Right, I'll leave you to discuss if you wish to um, ask uh, Leighton anything further. Otherwise, I will bid you good day. All right. Good day, sir. Okay. 
Harlow nods and strides out with a remarkable, arrogant confidence. So this isn't his office that we're sitting in? Oh, it, it is his office, oh. but he's, he's leaving. He says you can have the office for as long as you need to talk to Leighton for. I see. Oh, to talk to Leighton. Well, it, it all sounds very straightforward. Don't you all think, gentlemen? Agreed. That's what scares me. That should always make you nervous. Yep. And there's so many of us for one job. It's so straightforward. And a nuclear physicist involved in it as well. Yes, that's that's quite unusual, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's like I said, I think it's just for vetting specialized information. That's my guess. Because, you know, uh, Kasikov could rattle off a bunch of crap, you know, and if you don't know what he's talking about, we could say, oh, yeah, that sounds right. But if you've got a specialist there, they can kind of tell pretty quick if they're talking out of their ass or not. That makes sense. Well, I, uh, I, I think what sounds prudent is that uh, uh, Miss uh, Volkova and I will sit in the background as observers uh, and we'll give you a signal if they say, if, if Volkov says anything significant in those lines. Uh, I'm not sure. I, I, th- I think that this should, uh, that we should go in posing, well, we're posing as businessmen Somebody should take the lead. Uh, somebody should be the assistant, and the rest of us should be other members that are there simply to observe. Members of, the ent- members of the entourage. Members of the entourage, and we'll be in the background, but we'll be there to feed you signals if tap on the shoulder. Thinking like a cynic, what happens if we get made? Well, that would be very bad. That would be very bad. Part of this is we don't want the, the CIA embarrassed. But what I'm, what I'm getting at is, do we have an exit strategy? Do we have any sort of plans? Do we take him and run? Do we just run? Do we... No, 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 no. It costs a lot of money to do something like this. We're, we're vetting him to see if he's worth taking out. If he's if he just wants to defect, and he's a ballet dancer, we're not interested. He can walk into any embassy and defect. But if he's a if he's a KGB agent, and a member, and he's uh, has been a member of the of the of the, the Navy, then he may have information that's extremely valuable. In which case, we do want to lift him. We want to do it covertly, and we want to get him out of there as quickly as possible. As to the full extent of what he knows, uh, that can be explored by the CIA once he's in custody. But we'll find out if it's worth taking him out to begin with otherwise. So we're not going to be involved in debriefing him? Well, partly. Just to, to, to begin, but, you know. I think we need to begin the vetting process. I think that's why we're here. We're the tip of the spear. So, And then if he gives us something good that's verified by our panel of experts... Then we roll them to the front door, ring the doorbell, let them pick up the baby in the basket on the front doorstep, and then our job is done. So we don't have any other contacts. There's no one who's been specifically grooming this guy. He's just—he's literally just coming in now. Yeah, it's a walk-in, as they say. Yeah. It's us, yeah. And we're the ones that have to make the decision. 
Right, well then who takes point? Because I'm not necessarily a good talker unless you count my fists as uh, solving a problem. Well, you and Ian and uh, Henry are, uh, are the a agent agents, aren't you? Well, we've got intelligence agents and we've got field agents. And GM, this is a question for you. Who usually takes point in that? Because I think we're pretty much split down the middle. We've got three intelligence officers and I think we've got two or three field agents. Uh, depends on a the mission type. If you've got something that's more proactive out in the field, then also your field agents would be more uh, more inclined to take the lead. Um, whereas this is potentially somewhere in the middle ground. Um, at the minute, it will seem more like an intelligence um, analyst role, because I say you are gathering information about the, the defector, and then assessing whether it's going to uh, whether it's going to be of validity or worth. Um, but then, obviously, finding out and how, how you assess that validity might fall into a field agent category. Right. This this is very much decided between yourselves. Well, I've been with the company out of college, so I'm getting ready to hit 18 years. I speak fluent Turkish, fluent German. I think I'm the oldest agent here. I'm 38. Does anybody want to top it? 36. 51. All right. I mean, if you speak fluent Turkish, I mean, but what's better is, can you speak Russian? I speak fluent Russian. There we go. Yeah. But we, from what we understand, Kosikov, Kosikov has a formal education. He speaks English as well. Right. So if we're building rapport, maybe nice for us to speak Russian. And I can speak Russian, but like I said, I'm I'm not good at the talking thing. Well, I speak a bit of Russian. I mean, well, our, in the 50s, our, they made us all learn Russian. Our, our intelligence officers, Robert, and, it's actually Robert, Ian, and uh, Henry. No, it's, yes, Robert, Ian, and Henry. Uh, and then uh, Mr. Combs, you are a field agent. I'm a covert operative. So you need to kind of take the security aspect of the whole thing, wouldn't you? That's why, that's why I asked about an exit strategy. I think and that's where you and Mr. O'Sullivan come in. If it goes sideways, we need you to get our asses out of there. I do think you should carry a weapon, but carry it concealed. Well, uh, a handgun. Um, as well as okay. I agree. In the, in the jacket won't be suspicious mm -hmm. at all. Uh, I think that's what O'Sullivan was mentioning. That's all I was referring to. I didn't want to take a bazooka in there or anything. What we need to do is go to Galata Tower this morning and scope it out. See, you wanted an exit strategy. We need to make sure we know the place well. Right. Uh, we've got to make sure that they don't have metal detectors as you're going into the, the nightclubs. Uh, we also need to go probably only two of us, having six people no why don't you and why don't you and Eamon go I think that's a good idea Eamon do you uh uh you have any you know military science expertise Let's anything see, like do, that do I have not yeah I was <laughs> sorry I do yeah all right well then I think then I think that me and Eamon would probably be the best choices but and also I think we need to remember just from a gaming point of view it's the early 70s so I don't think that there's going to be entry points and 
metal scanners. I mean, these are nightclubs. These are civilian areas, right? These are just, we are going in to blend in. It's not like they're going to frisk us when we walk in the door. No. So I, I think that, you know, small handguns, I mean, they, as long as they're concealed well, I think we're going to be okay. I would say uh, not to, not to dis disagree, but gangsters have walked into nightclubs since the 1920s. So people know that they are handguns. You, you, they might have, they might frisk you when you come in the door. We don't, you know, I've never been to Galata Tower. First of all, I, I, what you guys said is true. Two of you going is, is by far enough. Um, however, if we all went together, it probably wouldn't make a difference. Galata Tower is a very famous landmark in the city, and there's thousands of tourists there all day long. So I think we eat, we all need to be familiar with it before we go there, but we don't need to go in like a pack of dogs. No. On onesie twosies is fine, right? Well, I think... Um, That's suspicious. Tourists. Two or, three of, two or three of us turning up and having lunch there. <sighs> can't get any more innocuous than that can you now we do need to have a slight contingency i as i say i've never been to galata tower i'm not a nightclub sort of person however i do live in the city and i and i work in the city and there's always a remote chance that somebody might recognize me i'm not really a medical doctor but people around the university might have seen me there was a woman on the airplane that seemed to recognize me. I'm very good with faces, but I I didn't recognize her at all. And I'm I'm sure that she's not an agent. She recognized you. Yeah, she did. You know, as we're sitting here, I have to admit, Mr. O'Sullivan, you look very familiar. Have we met before? I was wondering if you were going to bring it up. I was also wondering what a doctor was doing in this group. Where have we met? <clears throat> he like just looks to the side. And this dude's, you know, big dude, right? Trying to keep it, not flexing out of his suit. And he just kind of like sniffs and I think he lights up a cigarette at this point. Not wanting to talk about it, but he kind of feels cornered. And he's like... You know, takes a hit and he's like, Plum Island. Uh, Plum Island. That's where I know you from. Yeah. Right. Um, Saving lives like a good old doctor. Yeah. Um, we'll discuss We'll discuss that relationship later on. Um, Looking forward to it. How many of you gentlemen have been to the 10th uh, the floor of the... Uh, how was it? Century House. Yeah, a Century House. All right, so, um, do we all know it? Well, yeah, yeah. For those, for those of all. you, well, in this case, all of you, because you're all members of Section 46, uh, know that the section does have a set of offices on the 10th floor of Century House in London. Um, this is SIS headquarters, so the British Intelligence Agency, um, where Section 46 originated from as of the uh, remains of the SOE in World War II. Yeah, it's a 
kind of like a coded handshake sounding out to say, are you members of section 46 as well? Oh, right. That's essentially what he's doing. Okay. Right. I'm more closely, I'm more close friends with, uh, with them than I am the CIA. I, uh, no, don't, don't, don't mention, this is a covert thing. We've got a man in here that's, Oh yeah, I forgot that we were all. I forgot. That. <laughs> <laughs> but don't say that. <laughs> I thought it was just us. No, just a number. <laughs> it's just a number. No, Harlow left. Leighton has been uh, basically sat yes. on the other side of the desk. Leighton's okay. still here. I completely forgot about that. He's just sitting there quietly, just like listening to us. Yeah, he, yeah. he just—he's he, just sitting back and watching each of all of you talk, oh, and you can see like he's taking mental notes. Well, it, it, uh, since since you are familiar, um, uh, we'll have a great deal to discuss, uh, but we can plan later some of this, if you understand me. Hmm. Um, yeah, I'm surprised you actually brought that up with him in the room. He wouldn't know what it means. Yeah, uh, you do catch a, a look that he, he tries to give a, a bit of a poker face, but again, you see that raised eyebrow as if, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> a look comes over his face. Yeah. Um, well, gentlemen, uh, shall we, this office, this office is a little stuffy. Shall we go find our rooms and do some recon and let's get to work. Yes. Let's, uh, let's, let's roll as the young people say. <laughs> you know, Mr. Uh, Mr. Layton, mm -hmm. uh, I do have a place of my own here. However, I will stay in the facilities that you've, uh, you've got for us, just for the sake of convenience. Oh, it's, uh, it's up to you. I mean, if you've got somewhere more central that you prefer to be, then that's no skin off our nose. Right. Well, perhaps I'll, we'll use both of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, as, as you wish. So, I can have a driver get you to the, get you to the address without any issue. In fact, I'll have them lined up downstairs by the time you get down there. All right, excellent. Oh, um, um, I wanted them to ask like, either in-game or the GM. Um, so, like, my specialty is in tech and surveillance. Um, mm -hmm. What, as far as like gear, acquiring gear, like uh, communication devices or like a bug sweeper, that sort of thing, do I? normally have that at my fingertips or do I need to go through proper channels to get that sort of stuff? No, as, as it's your special uh, specialty and it's also something they could get in the diplomatic bag relatively easily. Mm -hmm. um, you, you will have access to that. That's, that okay. is your thing that you, you have the equipment you need to do your thing. Okay, great. Thank you. Let's make you do manifest for it. That'll <laughs> take a whole episode. <laughs> I've already, I've already requested the manifest for the airplane. <laughs> Hopefully manifest, it won't be somebody named The Manifests of Madness. <laughs> if I have to eat Ryan, pemmican on this trip. I'm oh, God, no pemmican, no pemmican. No, <laughs> not going to happen. Already running beyond the Mountains of Madness with another group. That is going to stick to them. I'll, not uh, this one. I've already I began on the plane. <laughs> I'll call the airport and find out I have to talk. Everything goes through Brian. <laughs> Um, in which case, Leighton gets out from behind the desk and says, uh, "If you're all done, then, gentlemen, I'll um, get your get your driver ready." Thank you. Appreciate it very much, sir. And he leaves the room. All right. 
Um, as we are going downstairs, uh, I want to say something to Mr. O'Sullivan just quietly as we're going down the stairwell that um, uh, I just say to him, if you feel any animosity towards me, we can discuss that later. He's like getting near the end of his cigarette. He's like, I don't know what to think yet. I believe There's taking more. our enemies not saving them, but we can discuss it. There's more to the story than you know. Right. I'm sure there is. All right. So all right. we all get in our car. Yep, you head downstairs. Uh, they have a long, actually, stretch limo in this instance. Um, this is uh, marked up with uh, flags at the front. This seems to be very much for almost like the diplomatic um, fleet that they wheeled this out from. Um, see the driver there with a peak cap uh, opens the door f- uh, doors for you. And that's you all inside with plenty of room. Unfortunately, um, the drinks cabinet has already been decanted. So there's uh, only a tantalizing gap left in the row where there should be uh, some very fine whiskey. But... There's no no alcohol? No, no, it looks like they've, uh, they've drained it dry. No. <laughs> you can tell they have need, don't want you here. <laughs> Is it the, uh, what kind of, who's the driver? Is it? Uh, no one that, no one that you recognize. Um, you don't think they are, um, they, you don't think they're CIA. You think they're just consulate staff. Right. Uh, probably one of the regular drivers, given the fact he's got uniform and so forth. All right. Uh, otherwise, he gets. He gets behind the wheel and starts to drive you back to um, to Bayalu. All right. I think I think Ema's the kind of guy that went straight for the good stuff and then sits back with a huff when he sees that it's dry. <laughs> now we're in different. Uh, some of they've they've got crammed a few of us in each car. No, it's, it's one it's one stretch limo, so there's oh, room for all of you in there. Oh, all right, excellent. Do they have party lights? No. <laughs> All right. So I assume we get back to our our place where we're staying. Oh, almost. It would be dull if it was that inter- uh, that that easy. Could people give me a spot hidden roll as you are rolling back towards towards town. Wow. Don't tell me someone's going to be hating as we be rolling. I, I passed with a hard. <laughs> I passed with an extreme. Mm. Uh, Got a hard success. I, I failed, I'm afraid. <clears throat> Those of you that pass, it's fairly not obvious, but they're not attempting to be particularly stealthy about it. There is a car following you. Uh, picks you up a little way outside, about maybe five minutes from the consulate, and then just keeps a nice discreet distance, about two cars back, most of the way. Hmm. Sort of car. You think, a black it's M- you think it's MIT? But it definitely looks like it's a standard. Tur- it's a standard Turkish car. It's. It could be. I'm but- wondering. I'm wondering aloud to them. Turkish plates? Who else? Yes. I know. Civi plates. Civi. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Milishta Barat Tashkilata. Maybe. So, so they're, not gonna, they're just going to think we're consulate people. Hopefully. And it could be standard operating procedure if someone sure. new comes in town. I mean, you know. They want to know what's going on in their town, in their city. Right. Yeah, the car, the car, pretty much sticks with you all the way to your um, your apartment. Um, which point, the limo pulls over, um, the driver gets out, starts opening the doors for you, and this car parks up right behind the limo. Yeah, oh, well, I'll sit in ducks with no weapons. I will say to everyone, kind of in a low, it's a, it could be our friends from Point Seven. Uh, you mean from from uh, the tenth floor? Yes, from the tenth floor. You were so so close, so close, so close. <laughs> Not likely. Um, well, everybody be on guard, but uh, um, you know, I I think we're just going to go walk inside like we didn't even notice. Well, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm going gonna to definitely tip the driver. Mm-hmm. Yep, he, he gladly takes it. He's a bit surprised that he's getting a tip, but pretty much nods, smiles as well. Thank, thank you very much, well, sir. I'm, I'm just a visiting businessman. I don't know what the etiquette is. <laughs> what were you saying, uh, uh, Jeff? I was just going to say I'm waiting in the car until uh, uh, O'Sullivan and... Um, uh, oh, you'll let O'Sullivan Holmes, and... Uh, Combs and O'Sullivan. I'm letting them get out of the car first. I was actually going to try to hang back and see who got out, but uh, if you're feeling that way, you can just, I'll just, I'll just get out and walk yeah, in. I guess uh, I'll get out as well. And not, don't, I won't even glance at the, at the sedan. I'll just I'll follow. Also. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, th- we throw our aviators on for maximum coolness and then. Maximum badassery. That's how you know we're cool. Yeah. And then, sure. I mean, yeah, just, just get out and just take our time. It's real casual. Just walk in. Can we uh, can we guess that all of our baggage has been uh, transferred to the hotel? Yeah. Yeah, it's well the the apartment block. So so the, um, all the bags are inside waiting for you. All right. So you said that it actually parked right behind the limo, right? Yep. It has. If if I go around the back and I look in the front windshield, is it? native Turkish drivers or passengers or? No, um, he looks very much a, uh, a Westerner. Okay. A, a single man sat in the driver's seat. He's probably late thirties, um, slightly, again, slightly rugged appearance, uh, wearing a shirt and tr- a shirt and trousers, no tie. So collar, um, collar undone at the neck. And he, as you walk around the car, he sees you coming and he does actually look lock eyes with you and smile. Interesting. He seems to be waiting until the last people get out of the car. Uh, mainly then when, uh, unless, Lebeau, are you planning on doing anything lingering after everyone's gone? Um, no, I guess not. Just making sure that our muscle gets out before me, that's all. Okay. <laughs> sponges. <laughs> um, which is with the... Uh, with with everyone out of the car and then the driver starting to close the uh, the doors, that's the point when the guy in the car behind you gets out. Um, 
as he closes the door uh, behind him. And in a very definite um, British accent, um, for those that have been there, probably you suspect um, the kind of greater London area, um, he smiles broadly um, and says, Ah, gentlemen, a Sunday old new in town. I'm sorry we don't speak to reporters. <laughs> and, uh... he, he suddenly does a bit of a, a bit of a backtrack. Uh, I'm not a reporter. I actually work for the British consulate. Oh. Hey, he walks over towards you as you've, as you've engaged him. Uh, Grant Lorimer, pleased to meet you. How do you, how do, you do? He, so he shakes hands to anyone that uh, anyone that will gladly take his anyway. I'll, I'll shake hands with him. So, are you, are you, are you attached to the, um, the, the the trade attaché? Yes. Yeah. Although uh, a bit more attached to a desk than I would like these days. It's uh, actually, oh. my lunch, uh, actually my lunch break uh, that I'm out on at the moment. <laughs> I um, I heard from, I heard from some mutual friends that there was a uh, new detachment that had come into um, come into town, and I thought I would. Uh, Basically, do the uh, good old British introductions. Oh. oh, we're just a very boring trade delegation. <laughs> What's uh, I'm sorry. What was your last name again, sir? Uh, Lorimer. Loriman. Lorimer. M E R. Yep, that's it. Okay. What do I know about Grant Lorimer? Uh, what trusts do you have? Or organizational knowledge. <clears throat> I have a forty percent trust and twenty percent organizational knowledge. Okay. Anything with SIS? No, it's divided equally between CIA and forty-six. It's not a name that's cropped up on your record before either. As oh, no, actually, uh, you can roll trust CIA. All right. Yep, 11 out of 40. Right. Um, he's a known SIS agent, uh, so he is with British intelligence. But he seems to be liked more by the CIA than he is by his own side. Yeah, he's definitely a name that's cropped up in some intelligence, uh, some intelligence reports that have come out from the Istanbul office, and he has made contact with, uh, with people there before. So he, he is a known friendly. I'll okay. be assuming as well that, um, that the, 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 the standard euphemism applies when de describing someone as a trade delegate. Because mm -hmm. during, during the 70s, trade delegate pretty much meant spy. Yeah. So. I, think we, I think we can, you know, it's a little bit of a wink, wink, nudge, nudge situation, it sounds like. Yeah. He's, he's basically saying, hey, I'm a spy. I've heard more spies are in town. I thought I'd come say we hello. We should all be spies together. <laughs> <laughs> we aren't trade delegates. <laughs> all right. Um, yeah, so he, he, he shakes hands. So I thought I'd come do the, um, the kind of the good old hello. Um, and, well, an extended hello. I was wondering if you wanted to join uh, myself and some of my associates for dinner tonight. You buy. Now, our meeting is tomorrow, oh, right? Yeah. Yeah. We're down for that. We would love to. Thank you for your kind offer. Hey, thank you. Um, 
are you happy with us choosing um, choosing site, or is there any way that you particularly would like uh, would like? I mean, we can recommend a number of good restaurants. I mean, the the Perra Palace has a wonderful, wonderful restaurant, and especially a very good pastry there as well. A lot of uh, history there at the Perra Palace. Yeah, Why it's your we town. Play? We appreciate the effort, and we trust you. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'll say provisionally then, say we meet at the Perra Palace, say about half seven, eight o'clock. Excellent. Perra Palace, half seven for eight. Okay. Um, if, if, if you ask the concierge when you get there for the Donaldson table, um, then you'll find myself and my colleagues there. Donaldson table, okay. It's good to see a friendly face in town. Thank you so much for stopping by. No problem. So, like I said, just uh, heard you heard you turned up on the radar and thought I'd make contact before um, before you came came to us. I thought I'd get my foot in the door first. Appreciate it. All right. He he nods, winks, and says, "Yeah, be seeing you." And he heads back to the car. <laughs> All right. So let's go inside, gentlemen. Find our our rooms, and then perhaps have a small conference. Perfect. Yes, let's do that. Well, in terms of facilities um, in this apartment, do we have a secure line to the consulate? Yep, um, you be able, you are given the number for the, um, for a secure um, for a secure dial up. Okay. And there is a there is a phone that's been installed to that effect as well. Right. Now, we didn't, of, the, we didn't get the name of the apartment complex. Ah, it's. It just seems to be a very nondescript. Um, okay. block. There's a row of about fifteen of these uh, of these buildings all together. They don't quite adjoin. Uh, there are some very narrow alleyways between them. Um, but on this street, pretty much both sides, uh, you've got buildings that are between three and four stories tall, um, all of a similar construction, um, all seem to be about dated the same age, and this does seem to be a very much residential area. Um, there are cars parked out on the street. Um, the streets are lined with the occasional tree at a regular distance. It's a nice, quiet area, really. Cool. So you're about, you're about four or five blocks away from where the uh, from where the Perra Palace and the British Consulate buildings are. Right, I'm thinking of the facilities as well, at least in their terms of appearance. It's Fifty Shades of Brown. <laughs> you know, it's the 70s when it's all brown. <laughs> yeah. there's, a, there's a lino floor. It's, yeah, the, the, the height of practicality, but, yeah, not so much on the visuals. A little bit of orange, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> but, but even the orange looks brown. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Especially when it's flanked by two of mm -hmm. oh, yeah. With oh. some string art on the wall. Oh, <laughs> there's not much by way of artwork the building does seem to be very very sparse in terms of art or decor um, pretty much just the the one color scheme has permeated throughout um, you have the keys between you there are three rooms um, on the first two um, the, the top topmost floor the next one down and then two rooms on the ground floor with a communal kitchen area making up the block that would have been like the equivalent of the third room. So you've got your eight bedrooms and communal, um, communal kitchen area. Okay. So this is like 
one small building that we're all sharing? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Like an extended stay. All right. Next, mm -hmm. yeah, they said we have our own individual rooms. Yep. Yeah, um, the keys that you're given in the envelopes, um, each one is assigned. Uh, basically, has a room that it will open. So if you want to pick any particular room, then you basically just sort through the keys and then head, take that up to your room. I'll take a top floor room. <laughs> I like bottom floor. Should we should we just pick room numbers? Yeah, so one one and two ground floor, three, four, five on the second floor, and then five, six, seven, eight on the top floor. Okay. I'll take oh, two oh five. I'm gonna go for number one because uh, I don't wanna be up and down those stairs all day. <laughs> So I'm in five. I'll take eight. Seven. You said, uh, Henry said two or one? I'm in one. I'll take two if no one else wants it. Uh, I didn't get to my thing fast enough. Where it's <laughs> Combs, right. what you're thinking? Jeff, where I'll are you? Seven. Bill? Eight. Eight. Mick? One. Uh, Thomas? I'll take three. Three. Uh, Lucas? Two. Two. I'm in five. So that's going to put a Wayne in six when he shows up eventually. All right. I'll email that to everybody. <laughs> Start casually checking out the uh, security of this little place. Probably not much, but... Well, gentlemen, shall we like meet in a Maybe there's like a conference room or something in. Yeah, it's the, it's the kind of shared kitchenette area. It's um, there are facilities there, but there's also facilities in each of your apartments. They have a small kitchenette area for themselves. So this is more like a communal area okay. that has kitchen facilities as well. Where would you like to meet to have a little discussion? Are you guys going to sweep sweep your rooms to make sure there's no bugging devices? Or? Yeah, I was going to bring that up. I'll, I'll, after I unpack the my basic gear, I'll I'll start doing a sweep. Okay, can you give me a can you give me a signals roll? You're looking for an extreme success. Oh boy! Uh, yeah, I just like to check out the, all the windows and the exits and just you know have a layout of the land, so to speak. I'm doing something similar to O'Sullivan. Mm -hmm. Extreme. All the rooms seem to be laid out in a similar format. They all have um, so they all have a lounge area which has a sofa, small dining table, four chairs, a small television and radio. Um, they have a bedroom, uh, two single beds in each, bathroom and a small kitchenette. Um, each one also has pinned to the back of the door a small business card for Seran Letting which is the, um, the letting agency that looks after the building, saying in the event of any electrical problems or mechanical issues, please call this number for a technician to, um, to come and, or repairman to come and deal with the problem. Okay. How did you get on with your signals, Lebeau? Uh You said extreme, right? Yep. I missed it by five points, and I'm tempted to spend luck if I can. You certainly can. Yeah. I know it's early in the game, but I think it's important to have a clean sweep. So, no, no problem. It's like Pulp Cthulhu. Spend that luck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just hate spending it so early in the game, though. That's all. 
Uh, well, it's this is a fairly uh, fairly important sweep yeah. to make. I think so. And you get multiple hits. Ah. <laughs> uh, there are bugs in the light. There you find bugs in one of the plug sockets in the wall because um, they would have to be connected to a power source for them to be operable for a long period of time. Um, one is in a plug socket in the wall near the door. Um, the other one is in a light socket above the main lounge area. So at the earliest convenience, I'll get everyone's attention, let them know, and then I'm going to recommend that we leave them operating for the moment. Right. And then we can talk somewhere else where it's safer. Do you, do you say like, do you like point out the bugs without saying that there are bugs in the room? Yeah. 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 Now, said, I assume that says, the individual oh, rooms are clean. <laughs> Goddamn cockroaches. There's one over there. There's one over there. <laughs> um, they're everywhere. They left mints in all of our rooms. <laughs> so, so uh, Jeff, you, you've shared this information with us, correct? That there are yep. bugs. Yep. Mm -hmm. yep. I would like to take the opportunity to take out my notepad and write um, a note and then kind of just show it to everyone saying, uh, maybe speak at Jacoby's. Mm -hmm. Those may not be bugs. Mm -hmm. Of course, this would be bugs. Well, anyways, my question is, is, you know, I assume Jeff went and swept all the individual rooms, but the only bugs he found were the two in the common area. Is that correct? No, uh, this was in his room. Oh, these were, okay. He yeah. So he's only made a sweep on his room. All yeah. of our rooms are bugs. Yeah, yeah. Let's just assume. Yeah, yeah. Having known where to look as a result of the um, as a result of the roll, um, if you allow him into, if you then go to all the other private rooms and the common area, every single room in the building is bugged. Okay. Um, I think, gentlemen. However, if uh, this is, I'm I'm throwing this out there, GM. Uh, uh, most of the buildings in Constantinople, you can go up onto the roof, and there's a kind of an area where you can sit, you know, under it. Mm -hmm. Sure. My guess is that that area is not bugged. We can check it, but there's no power up there. Yep, there is There is indeed a observation platform on the roof, as, again, on pretty much all the buildings here. Um, if you head up there and LeBeau does his sweep up there, you are perfectly right, Jacoby. It is clean. Which is amazing because if, I, you need to visualize Turkish rooftops because there's a lot of electrical wire, there's a lot of dishes, there's there's a lot of that kind of Christmas tree light almost where the the, the wires are kind of swung, uh, hung haphazardly all over the place. So, I mean, LeBeau's good. Let's put it that way, right? <laughs> and there's just no way to have a wire come down to the table in front of you. Right, exactly, yeah. <laughs> That's not obvious at all. So I suggest we have some coffee and sit up there and have a little discussion. Unless, of course, there's other people up there, but I don't think that's um, There's no one else staying in your block. Um, there is, in fact, a table and some uh, garden chairs that have been set up there. Mm -hmm. So it is somewhere that you can see this is um, a common feature on a lot of the houses, a lot of the block uh, buildings, blocks going down this street that it does seem that uh, various other people have had the same idea over the years. So the well, I, I do know how to make Turkish coffee, so I can, I can hook everyone up if they've never had it. Are the pantries stocked? Yeah, they've got a reasonable amount of food there. There is plenty of coffee. 
Uh, also some imported American foods so that it gives you a little bit of that taste of home rather than all being local produce. So yeah, you've, you've got some supplies there. Do they I can make they... coffee or I can make chai. Well, do they, do they, is chai even a thing in the 1970s? Yes, it's tea. It's traditional <laughs> Turkish tea served in little cups okay. with a with a one sugar cube. Okay. Pretty well, delicious. I'll, I'll go for some coffee. I'll go for the coffee. You'll need a variki. Hopefully you have a variki. Oh, yeah. I assume there's one provided. Do they, it's like do having they... a Mr. Coffee, right? You know, they're, they're, they're standard issue. Mm-hmm. All right. They leave alcohol here. Uh, for yourselves, um, there's pretty much just coffee. Uh, there are glasses, so plenty of wine glasses, but obviously no wine to go with it. What's the what's the traditional Turkish drink? Is it raki? Rakia? Mm-hmm. There is a there is an alcohol that's produced in Turkey that's kind of. Yes, I know that the word for beer is efes. It's one of these survival tips there. Always know how to ask for a beer somewhere. There you go. I think Eamon's looking through the cupboards and just kind of... So he's we'll, we'll pick you up something. Yeah. All right. All right. So once we've... Once you guys are... We'll set a time. Once everybody is, is, is situated, then we'll go up to the roof and have a chat. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Uh, we should kind of visually sweep the area, make sure there's not some guy on that roof over there with a little... Thing you know, pointed at us, uh, <laughs> listening to what we're saying. Yeah, no directional microphones up there. The Lower the cone of fine. silence. <laughs> we're not that advanced yet. Did, did they get that to, ever to work? <laughs> Missed it by that much. <laughs> that, that's. Oh, I was going to talk about our game last night with all the, the locks on the door, just like get smart. But all right. So uh, I put all my stuff away and yeah, there's nothing interrupts you. Say so you know where to. Uh, maybe occasionally looking at that plug socket on the wall or that light fixture uh, out of the corner of your eye, but there's no video. It's all audio here. Right. Um, I'm I'm going to turn on the radio in the um, communal area before we go upstairs. Mm-hmm. There yeah. you go. Decent quality, you have to adjust it slightly, uh, twiddling the knob until it finally locks in. But yeah, there's plenty of choice of local radio stations, either music or talk. Some nice old school arabesque. Hmm. Yeah, there'll definitely be something playing. It's by this point, it's like mid afternoon, so yeah, you've definitely got definitely got plenty of choice. It's Rocky. It's the stuff. R A K I. Ah. Okay. So, are we all up on the roof now? Yep. All right. I'll serve coffee. So, uh, gentlemen, um, start with the first part of this little bit of a story. When we were on the airplane, there was a drunk man who uh, bumped into uh, Agent uh, LeBeau and dropped this, and I pulled it out and I set it on the table. Um. A small golden cone shaped thing with uh, vine sort of designs around it. Uh, looks very old, um, somewhat crude. Uh, do any of you have any idea what this might be? I do. 
Uh, I don't, but perhaps, um, GM, could I do maybe an appraise roll? Yeah, you certainly can. See how much it's actually worth, if it's worth anything? That's solid gold. And I passed 33 out of 50. Okay. Um, Having a look at it, um, approximately two ounces in weight. Um, it's, which is curiously formed shape for a gold nugget, but it does look as it's been fashioned. It's definitely not obviously a natural occurrence. It has got artwork embedded into it. Um, gold averages at this point approximately $160 per ounce throughout the mid 70s. So this puts this about $320 worth of gold. It's not worth that much, but it, but it does look like there's actually artistic features. Uh, yes. Like yeah, this, this has definitely been carved or etched, rather, yes. This, uh, this fell from the man's pocket. He was drunk at the time. He, I'm sure, doesn't realize that he's, didn't realize at the time that he lost it. Uh, uh, Agent LeBeau found it, and I, I, I somewhat recognize it. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of like patting my pockets and looking at you a little strange because I'm like, Thought it was in my jacket pocket. Oh, I it? thought you gave it to me to, to, to <laughs> That's okay. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> well, gentlemen, a little bit of my background. And uh uh this this also ties me together with uh a Agent O'Sullivan there. And I look over at him. Um I'll let him tell part of this story, but uh, we crossed paths on a, in a place called Plum Island in Massachusetts. It's uh, on the coast. And uh, there was an incident that took place at a lighthouse. Uh, I was called in because there was a rather unusual individual who had been wounded in a firefight. Um, I don't know all of the details of the firefight. That's where uh, Mr. O'Sullivan can, can bring us up to speed. But uh, this individual had certain unusual qualities about his body. Um, if I were to describe his internal organ structures, I would say that he was somehow mutated halfway between a human and a fish. There were very obviously gills that he most likely could breathe underwater. Um, At the time, I thought this was some sort of a government experiment gone wrong or or something like that. Uh, Anyways, uh, I did my best to patch the man up. I'm probably one of the only people who knows a little bit about the internal structure of these beings, these creatures. I've dubbed them uh, ichthyandrian uh, from the Greek for uh, fish and man. So uh, they named seem them too. I'm sorry. You fucking named them. Jeez. Mr. <laughs> O'Sullivan was a soldier who was part of the firefight, I believe. Yeah. Correct. Yes. The reason why. In addition to our, our obvious uh, CIA connection and uh, our connection to uh, 46, uh, I have been working on a personal mission here in the sea of, in, in Constantinople, because I have traced certain genetic anomalies to this area 
and I believe there may be a colony of these beings living in the Sea of Marmara. Now I have a person on an airplane to this area who's dropped what looks very much like an artifact from that culture, that underwater fishman culture. I know it sounds ridiculous, but we're talking, uh, this is all uh, uh, Section 46 stuff. Well, how did you make the connection between them and this little thing? I've been studying them now for a number of years, and there are some very, very interesting artifacts in Massachusetts uh, in museums that have never been able to be identified. Uh, there is, in fact, a crown. Uh, it's part of this, their religion, I guess, if you'd call it that. Uh, in any case, there are some examples that have been found that were not identified. However, when I looked at them, I definitely recognized motifs on them that were all, all sort of tied together. Um, there used to be a, a town in Massachusetts called Innsmouth. And I don't know if you've ever heard of that, but uh, it was rather infamous. And uh, these people uh, were, uh, I don't know how to say it. They were hybrids. They were somehow interbreeding with these fish people. And there are telltale signs. I didn't, uh, I didn't see any on the gentleman that was on the airplane, but uh, you can usually notice ridges in the neck where the gills will eventually develop and the eyes get sunken in. But that's, that's really all I have to say. Uh, O'Sullivan, uh, you were there that day. You, uh, you saw actually more than I did. He doesn't look like he wants to talk. He's like, he takes his drink of coffee, light, lights another cigarette. He's like, yeah, we were doing training on the island in the, in the national park. And we got a call from the local sheriff. And uh, the uh, Plum North End of Plum Island, there was a lighthouse where they were doing room tape maintenance, changing bulbs, turning the lights on and off in rapid succession, things like that. And it was in the evening, it was after dark. I don't know if it drove them crazy or, or what the story is behind it, but about 20 of these freaks came out of the water and attacked the maintenance crew of the lighthouse, and we were called in after they barricaded themselves inside. Since my crew was training there, we were first responders, and we came uh, with loaded weapons, and a firefight began. Um, uh, it was crazy. There was, there was men. There were like you said, fish people and every combination in between. And uh, I killed four myself, uh, but I watched two of my comrades get uh, ripped apart. And I took this as well. And he like, lifts up the left side of his shirt, like he untucks his shirt and across the left side of his ribs. And there's like four like long scars. There he goes. They got me a good one before I took him down. So you can imagine watching me brothers uh, getting murdered and then I was one of tasked to one of the ones who survived that they, they took captive and they wanted to keep it alive for whatever fucking reason they wanted to do it. I wanted to put a bull on his head, but at that point we had to stand down. And then, and he just kind of like looks over <laughs> at Jacoby's like, and then some people are tasked with keeping them alive. And I just, I don't see eye to eye on that really. Well, I wasn't really aware of what was going on at the time. 
I did what I'm supposed to do and keep the thing alive. I didn't even know it was a thing when I started cutting into him. When you were um, attached to the PIADC at this time. Who are you asking? Plum Island. Yeah, are you talking to me? I was asking Dr. Jacoby. Oh. Um, you went beyond what I've made up. I don't know what that is. Um, yeah, Plum yeah. Island. The only thing I know about Plum, Plum Island is that there's a biological weapons experimentation. Oh, I don't know what you're talking about. Established yeah. by the IADC. Just say yeah. It makes it neater. <laughs> but it's the, it's the American version of Portland Down. No, saying that I don't know what you're talking about is my is my story. <laughs> I don't know anything about biological weapons. Oh, okay. Got it. Um, in any case, I don't believe I'm just... Uh, this is, as I say, this is my uh, prior three uh, personal investigation. Um, it has nothing to do with uh, 46 or CIA at this point in time. 46 is aware of my, my work. However, we have not, in the past 30 years, there's been no particular hostility from these beings. Uh, but we do want to know, we do want to monitor them. We want to make sure we know what's going on and where they are. And uh, as I said, we, there's some evidence that they're in the Sea of Marmara. There's a little evidence that there's some in the Black Sea, but uh, that's what I'm working on. Uh, so why bring this up? Do you think it has some kind of connection? No, I'm bringing it up simply because uh, uh, Agent LeBeau des deserves a uh, an explanation for my reaction. If anything, it should tell you that it has nothing to do with our mission. Uh, gentlemen, have you been contacted by N on our current mission? No. Well, we're here. I think so. Well, wouldn't one of us still have the printouts from you N? Still, yep, you still do have them. Exactly. Well, why don't you show him the printout then? For me to pull it up? I can pull it up. Yeah, go ahead. Hold on just a second. I didn't mean to spout out so much crap there, but... No. I like having weapons of being armed because unlike the crazy people that are out there, there are also a bunch of crazy monsters and you can never be too prepared. Speaking of which... Uh, we need to requisition ourselves some firepower. Well, not only that, not only that, even, but this is we're talking. We're in Turkey. We're, we're currently sitting on a payload of U.S. nuclear arms. There's probably Russians in the city, waiting to 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 spot CIA and gun them down. Right. So, Here's mm -hmm. that printout for you. Perhaps, Mr. Sullivan, you'd like to read that. Uh. <laughs> Mr. Combs, maybe? Yeah, let's go with Combs. Sure, why not? I'm good with the talking. Tucking my shirt back in. Well, so. <laughs> Greetings to our American cousins. It has come to my attention that, that you are, are soon to be flying to Istanbul. Let me actually shrink that. Uh, that's in my way. Uh, this is an area of interest to me, and this is the first time we have had a chance to get Section 46 operatives on the ground there. 
Istanbul was formerly home to one of the most powerful cults in Europe, known as the Brothers of the Skin. Intelligence suggests that this cult has disappeared, perhaps in its entirety. There are numerous reasons why this might be the case. The cult has died out. They may have been destroyed by a rival power. They have gone to ground. Uh, they have moved their base of operations, etc. The fact remains that there is a perceived power vacuum in the occult underground of Istanbul that other cults may seek to exploit. If multiple factions attempt to claim the city, any resulting conflict, should it spill out into the open, could threaten the stability of the region. We need to know what is happening there. Your mission, find out what happened to the Brothers of the Skin, find out what cults are active in the city and what they are doing, assess whether any of the active cults pose an immediate threat to the safety and stability of the region and slash city, and if any cults do pose such a threat, deal with them as best as possible. I understand you will be directed to Akhtar Bakar. I can't pronounce that name. I'm sorry. Hi, Chesh. <laughs> uh, okay. It's okay. That's his name. Uh, a known information dealer in relation to your main assignment. According to my intelligence, that guy's name is known to have been associated <laughs> with various individuals active in the occult underground. It is my recommendation that he be approached for these in regards to Section 46's concerns in the area. Best of luck, N. There you go. So that's why we're here. Well, no, there's a reason for something. That's something we can handle. I can get behind. Well, we can kill two birds with one stone tomorrow night because we're going to be meeting with Utkarma Jash. Wow. So do we ask him all the basic CIA questions and then we dive into the, uh, the occult after that? Yeah. We've got to figure out how we can do that. Is that, can I just clarify that? So I was under the impression we were meeting with Vladimir and... No, we're meeting with Utkar Majesh to uh, set up a meeting with Vladimir. Right. Oh, okay. Sorry. a wall. Um, I think it could be relatively easily done. We could just say that uh, we, we fear that there's some sort of uh, instability within the region. Do you know of any reason why that would be? And we could kind of work in the Brotherhood of the Skin. Um, I didn't know that the Brotherhood of the Skin was completely dead. I thought that they you know, were still around. Oh, you've heard of it before. A little bit. I kind of smile. Just a tiny bit. Not too much. Um, I deal mainly with artifacts so to speak. So I'm not really familiar with their belief system or anything like that. Um, only in um, legends about a certain artifact they were related to, but there's not a whole lot on it. I know that uh, I know that they were quite powerful in the, in the early 20s, but I don't know. I, I, I hadn't heard anything from them since then. Very little. Don't forget... Jess is a businessman, so we're going to have to probably pay him for this information. Right, it's an information dealer. Well, with an information dealer, the best thing to give an information dealer is information. Information, especially around this close to the border of the Soviet bloc, is better than any other kind of currency. Hmm. But we need to give him something impotent that uh, doesn't 
something that doesn't compromise us, but something that's still worth his time. It, to him, his time is going to be more valuable than anything. So, you know, asking him these questions, we need to give him something that he'll see as something worth it, but something that doesn't compromise us. Well, we might just ask him what he wants. He may be getting inf information from uh, from Kasikov, and Kasikov is the one who is, you know, we're not necessarily initiating this. Kasikov is. Kasikov may be paying him information. That's true. I mean, we're just we're just dealing with the in between person. Well, yeah, he is a middleman, though. And if, if, if we begin asking him questions uh, late to it, then we would need to give him some kind of information. Um, he he's acting as the middleman, so he's just going to give us the information. He's going to vet us and then let us through. But if we start asking him more questions, he's going to want something for that. I look down at the little gold piece of something on the table, um, and I kind of nod. I say that could be worth something, but it's it's three hundred dollars. Oh well, you're talking about melting it down into gold. It's worth far more than that. Uh, as a artifact, I'm not yeah. so sure that though that I'd want to part with something like this, as it's part of my investigation. Well, he may be just interested in the fact that you have information about um, these creatures. This guy, I, I don't have a whole lot of uh, knowledge about that. I've never come into contact with something like this. And if you say that this is some kind of relic or some kind of artifact, I have no reason to say it's not. I'm not 100% sure, but it has the same qualities that I'm, that I've observed. I'm going to, I'm imagining because there's no, there's no seats. It's all like plush uh, cushions up on the, the roof. Am I right? Uh, there's, a, there's a garden um, a garden table and some garden chairs which have been assigned around it but there's certainly you can bring pillows up from downstairs as well if you wanted them well I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna lean back and I'm gonna look at the others um, and say well I, though I can't disclose my full um, background with the organization and, and what I do um, I, O'Sullivan and Jacoby kind of delved in quite a bit with their background what are the other three of you? What, what's your connection to this organization? My father was a member. Really? Right there. And I didn't know that there was uh, this kind of like familial osmosis that your father did it and then they kind of brought you into the fold. My father was a Marine, following his footsteps there. True. But the Marines are less, uh, they're very selective, but they're a little less selective than 46. Well, sure. That's respectable. That's respectable. What about you, LeBeau? I was involved with, I don't know if mission is the right word, but with, with an episode in Vermont where we went in and we broke up a, a type of cult. So, um, they were worshiping something. Not entirely sure I understand what they were worshiping, but there were also elements that I can't explain 
rationally. And we ended up just breaking up that cult in that local area. That leaves Mr. Postgate. After the war, um, I was recruited into a division uh, decrypting certain coded historical documents that were recovered uh, from Europe um, during and after the conflict. Uh, some of those documents uh, pointed to the continuing existence of um, certain non-state actors which um, led us into collision with um, a, a number of these cult groups from there several of us were uh, recruited are you saying that there was collusion between uh, actual legitimate um, no we're, as, as far as far as we were aware the uh, the, the the Nazis were, were buying, stealing, or uh, confiscating anything they could possibly find that was connected with the occult, uh, regardless of its veracity. So for the most part, what they had was 90, 95% trash. Just med medieval forgeries and nonsense. You know, things that when decoded meant nothing. But among the, uh, there were a number of key items, which um, seemed to be seemed to be linked to either cults or other works related to cults. When Postgate mentions Nazis, there's a very subtle change in my demeanor and I'm really paying attention to the words coming out of his mouth at that time. So what about you, Combs? Yeah, it's it's it. us a lot. What's your story? Well, I did a, a little bit of a tour in Vietnam. It's a tiny one. Before I fully joined uh, 46. Let's just say that in the jungles, it's not just the, the Viet Cong that are killing people. Hmm. There's, a, there's uh, other things. Um, something uh, that the firebombing kind of just brought out. And that was my first experience with the strange. But... Um, after that, I, I kind of got into, uh, I just kind of fell into the occult. That's kind of, that's just, that's my story. I got picked up by 46 and that was it. The very existence of 46 and our presence here means we aren't alone on this planet, my friends. There's other things here. Nightmares. The presence of 46 here means that there's something serious happening here that's definitely pro possible um we need to understand tonight when we go to dinner uh that our uh actual involvement we're we're posing as 
consulate members who are trying to make relations between East and West, you know, trades groups. Uh, but unless you guys are experts in the field, it's going to be a little awkward talking to some of these people tonight. I think that we need to remember that uh, we can use the phrase, I'm sorry, that's classified as uh, <laughs> our catchphrase. Can we, Secret um, negotiations. Can I ask, this is, this is to players or to the GM, anyone who can kind of answer. Um, do we know how SIS was able to just follow us? Uh, part of the hint there is that uh, where I mentioned Lorimer has more friends in the CIA than he does with his own organization. True. Okay. I was going to say, he, he could have just contacted them and followed us, but I also, I was like, in the back of my head, I was like, oh, well, if SIS can just pin us like that, the Russians can probably just pin us like that. Well, we have discussed the fact that if, uh, if in fact, uh, Kosikov is KGB, then... Uh, there is a very strong chance that they're watching him. And that's why I say this could all be a trap to embarrass the CIA. I'd, I'd be more worried if they weren't watching him. I mean, if they're not watching him, then I, my, my worry is that he'd be, uh, he could be a dangle. Yeah, I mean, he's reaching out to the, the West to improve trade relations. That's a big deal, especially with this current political climate. Well, I, don't, I don't need to be talking much to him. I'm just going to sit back and drink and tell them, <laughs> tell them it's classified or to shut their mouth if they keep talking to me. Exactly. Especially if you get into an area where you don't know what you're talking about. Just, I'm sorry, that's classified. <laughs> just saying this a lot then. Personally, I know nothing about East-West relations in that, in that manner. I'm a doctor. Damn it, I'm a doctor. <laughs> well, I think there's a 50-50 shot that Lorimer, you know, it could just be a dinner with spies, right? We, you know, he said that he was bringing along some, uh, some friends or mm -hmm. co-workers or something of that nature. I don't think we need to shine anybody on. I mean, the cards are on the table. Everybody's a friend of Bill W., so to speak. Everybody's, you know, we kind of know each other's game you know so we can probably just let our hair down a little bit and just relax you know don't give wayne state secrets but let's eat some nice food on their tab right well, this sounds it, I don't, i'm not seeing anything sinister here this is how business is done no no it's not sinister at all i'm thinking that the cia that the um the sis they just want to know what the cia agents are doing in their town and that's us i mean they're not stupid and uh, we don't want them to know because then they will take credit and act on it. They'll get No, but I also don't think we're stupid enough to, to roll over and just give away any information. I think this yeah. is just going to be a dinner, to be honest. Hmm. They're not going to give us anything. We're not going to give them anything. It's just business being done. We're friendly. We're all friends. Exactly. All exactly. It's just who gets all the candy from the pinata when it breaks. <laughs> or who gets embarrassed if it breaks and there's nothing inside but dirt. <laughs> all right. Is, is there a way to acquisition a handgun before we go? 
or is it something we have to get on tomorrow? No, uh, if you want one to, um, for this evening, that then one of the um, consular agents will be able to drive a package to you. Basically, a motorbike, motorcycle courier will drop a, will drop a package off with a number of guns if multiple people request. That makes me feel a lot better. All right. Makes me feel way a bit better. I would assume that a field agent would have kind of a standard issue. Yeah, they'll, they'll have something they say, if you wanted to bring something along in the diplomatic bag, right. then it's something you could have, brought with, um, could have brought with you. But if you were happy to just have something given to you here to avoid any questions if anything happened with the bag in transit, it's your call again. I think that's what yeah. I brought my own. Yeah. You don't want to, you don't want to use a borrowed gun. Well, I thought about that trust, too. You can't trust it. I, I thought about having like his own handgun, like everything else, whatever I will take, but you have that personal sidearm. That's like your trusted thing. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But you also don't necessarily want a gun to be traced back to you if you lose it. So. There are many others like it, but this one is mine. Yeah. Um, so if, if that's it, gentlemen, if we're going to just go downstairs and get ready for dinner, uh, unless you have some more questions that you want to ask, um, I would like to say once again, something to O'Sullivan as we're leaving the, 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 the roof. I just want to say to you, uh, Mr. O'Sullivan, that I am very sorry that your comrades were torn apart by these creatures it must have been quite traumatic for you it's, like, <laughs> it's not funny um it's like oh it is i got their names i got them tatted along with some other tats hmm. never never forget them but i'll never forgive those creatures i understand to a degree what you're doing, but understand to a degree that I'm here to protect lives. Absolutely. Uh, it's, and I, I, I say it's, it's been my guess for some time that if these creatures were in fact hostile towards us land dwellers, they could have wiped us all out a long time ago. They're quite advanced and they're quite numerous and the oceans cover 75% of the, uh, of the planet Earth. We're the, we're the minorities in this case. So I think that what happened on that night was done by what you might consider criminals amongst them. Maybe. Did you, I don't have many questions, but did you say they evolve or something? It seems like there are some of them that are naturally born uh fishmen and uh there are some that are born human and transition uh they're hybrids that's um, crazy and we don't know how the, what the extent of it is or or where there are other colonies around the world i think i heard somewhere that uh that in uh off the coast of panope in the south pacific that the Japanese were torpedoing some of their colonies at one point. Um, so some of our governments are aware of their existence. That would explain the mix of them that night. Huh. All right. Well, and he's like, he's like trying to tie. He's like, oh, I got to think on this for a while, but appreciate uh, the kind words. 
All right. So, right. Is there anything else anyone wants to do before we cut towards dinner? Dress up nice. Dress up nice. I always dress up nice. <laughs> I was going to okay. do this. I was going to do this after a game, but maybe I'll do it in game. Um, I'm going to kind of give Dr. Jacoby a, a side eye, and after our little meeting starts to break up, I'll ask him for the gold piece back. <laughs> I don't know if you misunderstood my intent, but I was showing it to you. I wasn't giving it to you. Oh, what are you going to do with it? 300 and some odd dollars? I will find something to do with it. I would not suggest you sell this on the open market. Yeah. Uh, we don't know what level of infiltration. This could very, very well be part of a cult. All right. Well, maybe I'll give it to, to Section 46 then. We are Section 46, but if you'd like to hold on to it. Yes. Thank you. Most likely when you picked it up, it, it put a curse on you and you're going to start <laughs> the weather. Where, where. Yeah, whoever touches it is going to evolve into uh, a deep one. I mean, there you go. No offense. Yeah. Oh, we don't call them that. They really don't like that term at all. Ichthyandrians. Right. Fish people. Let's go to dinner. Right. We can skip then to the Pera Palace. It's, it's an interesting building. Um, it's from at least a couple of sides. It looks almost like a Lego brick. It's very tall and rectangular in shape. There's a nice garden at the back of it. Um, it's just down the road from the British Consulate building as well. So you think it would be a, a place where SIS or anyone from the Consulate in general would use as a uh, their sort of local watering hole, shall we say. Um, the place in the evening is still pretty busy. Even though the Orient Express at this point isn't running, it's still um, a very popular hotel with tourists. Um, it's a very opulent, very period piece. Everything's been preserved here. Um, in fact, the room that Agatha Christie wrote Murder on the Orient Express is preserved as a museum in her, um, in her honour there. So um, you arrive in the lobby um, of the hotel so people are um, hustling, bustling, they're uh, going back and forth. Um, so a few of them heading towards the, the restaurant, a few of them heading towards the bar. Um, you are shown towards the concierge and presumably give the name of Donaldson as instructed by Lorimer. Yes. Yeah. And you are shown to a very large table, a table for 10, uh, where there are yourselves and three other people sat there, one of which is Lorimer. Uh, who doesn't quite look as rough around the edges now. He does uh, scrub up nicely when he decides to put, um, put on his uh, best suit. Um, there's another man with him, slightly older, um, who's wearing a three-piece suit. Again, very um, not a thread out of place, although he has a, um, what's it, the equivalent of a resting bitch face. Um, he, <laughs> he continually looks um, angry, despite um, any tone in his voice uh, suggesting otherwise. And a young lady about the same age as Lorimer um, again she's dressed in a um, in a suit as well uh, got a white white and black combination um, all of them stand as you arrive there's a round of shaking hands uh, Lorimer so, um, says the first introductions 
So um, thank you everyone for coming along. Um, so I hope this will be a nice, nice evening to get to know each other. Uh, this is my superior, uh, Mr. Donaldson, Bradley Donaldson, and my um, co-worker, um, Karen Holbrook. So um, they, they nod and say there's shaking hands and so on and smiles. And says, yeah, please, let's, let's everyone sit down and have a look at the menu. Lovely. Whiskey? Oh, yeah. Laura smiles. You're going straight to the page I normally do. You should, Mr. O'Sullivan, try the Rocky. It's quite delicious. And oh. strong. I'm always game for new things. I'll take one of those as well. <laughs> yeah, uh, Laura definitely approves. He smiles. <laughs> um, I'll order something delicious. <laughs> uh, I take it various pe uh, various people order. Is anyone not eating or uh, not partaking of anything? Oh yeah, food. Is there like um, no? Well, um, I'm going to eat. I'll, I'll probably have wine with my meal, but I'm not going to drink strong spirits. I mean, they invited us to dinner, right? Like they're hosting us, right? Yeah, they are. Yeah. Okay, definitely. definitely. I'll have a nice vodka tonic with something top shelf and a. Nice steak or something. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. In which case, there's a round of orders that comes around the way to takes uh, diligently takes orders and then heads off, leaving you at the table to discuss. So Donaldson per, um, is the first to perk up. So uh, we got a rather last minute heads up that uh, our American cousins would be coming to town. Um, is there anything particular that brings you in? Is there, I wasn't aware of any uh, major deals going down at the uh, at the American consulate. Mainly sightseeing. Hmm. Interesting. You can see he's kind of processing that as to what that could what that could be potentially inferring. Bilingo. Yeah. <laughs> Is that code for something? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, fair, fair enough. There's, there are plenty of sites to see around here, after all. So. Yeah. How long have you guys been in, in the town? I've been stationed here about 10 years myself. Um, Lorimer here is only a fairly recent, uh, recent transfer. Um, Holbrook has been uh, with us for a little while. Um, excellent translator. Um, if you need any, um, any help on the translation front, then by all means, um, we'll, we'll consider it as a... Uh, as an offer to say to our uh, esteemed American cousins that uh, that you can call upon, call upon uh, Carolyn here. Miss Holbrook, what uh, languages do you speak? Yeah. Uh, she uh, she smiles. I'm flu fluent in um, Arabic, Chinese, French, German, Greek, Italian, Spanish, Russian, and Turkish. Or not A true polyglot. <laughs> she she smiles somewhat shyly. She uh she a good looking woman. Uh, yeah, she's fairly fairly good looking. Yeah, mm -hmm. so definitely above average anyway. <laughs> That's who Eamon pays attention to. <laughs> yeah, she she hasn't dressed up in such a way as to uh, as to show off. Sure. Um, she's she, she's dressed very practically and very business like. That makes sense. <laughs> Although, if um, if that is something that's cat uh, that would catch your eye, you can give me a spot hidden roll. All right. 
Soldier being a soldier. <laughs> For sure, leave. Oh, holy. I rolled a 99. I made mine. <laughs> I'm, I'm infatuated on a different level here tonight. Wow. Yeah, you, you are oblivious then. Um, that there's there's not really much uh, much on show in the um, in the hotel tonight. Uh, did I hear that Somerton passed though? I did. Yes. Yeah. There is actually a stunningly um, good uh, good looking lady up by the um, the bar at the moment. Um, she sat talking with uh, another man, also actually fairly uh, fairly good looking, who's got sort of slightly curly hair, uh, the widest. Uh, lapels on his jacket and his shirt and the uh, shirt collar that you've ever seen um, outside mm -hmm. of a discotheque um, and slightly even think slightly frilly shirt as well but uh, they're talking quite um, yeah, quite intimately at the um, at the bar you see champagne flutes being chinked between them but yeah, this, even though she's quite um, quite an attractive uh, relatively young lady you just catch a look in her eyes and something just seems a little off. About her looks or her demeanor? Uh, just particularly her eyes. Mm -hmm. Just that some, something seems a little dead inside. She's got, the look, um, she's got a look that you would equate almost like to a thousand yard stare. It's, there's, she's seen stuff and while she's putting a good a good facade on it. There's something, yeah. There's that mask isn't exactly very thick that she's wearing. It's oh, almost I like I, I, I want to kind of draw the conclusion that she might be in the intelligence community, but maybe her partner isn't. Maybe it's a bit hard, bit hard to tell. Especially this, this is across the other side of the room. Right, right. Um, you can't you can't really hear what they're talking across the hubbub of all the other tables as well. Unless you've got a lip reading skill. Uh, no. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> uh, you know, can't have everything, can we? <laughs> I've got dashing good, look, good looks and a thousand dollar suit, but do not have lip reading. <laughs> no, there is, there is a spare chair. There is an empty chair next to her if you did want to take a wander over to the bar, but that would obviously mean getting up and leaving your, um, your colleagues and uh, guests or hosts, rather. I'll just... Uh, if I can catch Dr. Jacoby's eye, and then I'll kind of nod toward her specifically. Okay. So I take the hint to mean that you want to go over and talk to that woman. So I am going to uh, engage the party. Uh, no, I wanted you to actually look at her. Did you, oh, pass, your, did I, you pass your spot hidden roll or not? I look over it. No, I didn't roll because I'm not interested, but... Um, significant piece of land. Get interested. I got thirty-three, uh, which is not half. So, um, well, I see her, but I immediately assume that you want to go talk to her. So, <laughs> maybe I misread what you said, but you see that I immediately engage the others, so that if you have you want your opportunity to get up and go, you can go. Okay, you said there were champagne flutes. Does it look like they might be possibly celebrating anything? They, they certainly seem happy. Hmm. Okay, okay. Well, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll keep an eye, 
you know, I, I can't really come up with a, a cold open right now, but I can approach later. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they seem to be sat there for, they're going to be sat there for a while. Um, there are various refills um, happening with their, with their glasses. They don't look like they're about to get up and go anytime soon. Yeah, otherwise, at the, at the table itself, um, Donaldson is quite happy to make idle chit-chat about, say, what, uh, how long have you been working in uh, consular activities, um, seen any interesting places in the world that you've uh, been to? I've seen a few, few places on the globe myself. I went to Duluth once. Oh. Um, not familiar with, with Duluth. Where, no. where else is that? No one's familiar with Duluth. I don't, I don't know where it is. I didn't actually... Um, <laughs> it's just the first thing that came to mind. It's somewhere in America, I believe. <laughs> I don't know much about foreign countries. <laughs> not sure they would have a consulate in uh, Duluth. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Delaware, perhaps. Um, like an independent nation or something. <laughs> I don't know. I guess there's probably places that I've been. Uh, I'll actually ask Miss Holbrook. I'll just kind of open with her uh, with a little bit of German. Okay. Yep. She reply. Um, she replies in German. Um, the accent's not um, particularly. Doesn't sound native, but definitely her her grasp of the language is strong. Yeah, def definitely enough to back up her claim that she says fluent, yes. Yeah, it was actually, um, she says, um, I was in Germany for a, fair, uh, for a fair while just after university. So I uh, had a look around a few of the, um, few of the places, Stuttgart, Berlin. Actually, ah, I was, Berlin. In Ber I was in Berlin for a while. Ah. I would have loved to have gone down the Unterden Linden, but obviously with it being on the other side of the Brandenburg Gate, it becomes a bit difficult these days. Exactly. And I'm just going to engage her in small talk about Germany and Berlin or wherever else she's been. But basically Germany and that those environs. Okay. Um, you pretty much get her attention for most of the, uh, most of the rest of the, uh, the dinner then. <laughs> unless, anyone else wants, unless anyone else wants to try and cut in. But yeah, she's very, very much happy talk, uh, talking to you about anywhere not here. Um, Any place that's not Turkey. Yes. <laughs> so I have feel now that I've completely misunderstood what Agent Summerton wanted me to do. So I'm thinking, you know, it's going to take a while to where we, we learn how to read each other's expressions, but he must have wanted me to go over there and observe. So uh, I say to everybody at the table, I say, excuse me, gentlemen, for, for just a few moments. And I get up and I, uh, I walk over to the seat next to the two of them. Mm -hmm. It's at the bar, right? Yes. Yeah. So I just go up there and I, uh, I engage the, the bartender. There you go. Uh, Perfect. I say, uh, I say, do you know how to make the most complicated drink I can come up with? Uh, I say, do you, you, do you by chance uh, uh, have Sazerac whiskey, uh, Sazerac rye? Can you make a Sazerac? Do you know what that is? Uh, the bar, the bartender pulls back a little bit. It's, it's a drink I've heard of, sir, but unfortunately not one that I'm particularly well versed in. We don't have many requests for. Uh, particularly exotic drinks like that. Do you have creme de violette? 
Ah, yes, yes, we do. We do have that. Yeah. Could you uh, make me an aviation? Oh, definitely. Yes, uh, certainly. Right. And any particular preference on the gin? Uh, boodles. Oh. Yeah, he, he nods. Okay. Um, um, and so I'm just, I'm sitting there, but I'm now I'm listening intently to mm-hmm. the two next to me. I'm not looking at them in any way. Okay. Uh, they're both speaking French. Oh, shit. <laughs> 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 wah, wah, wah. <laughs> um, however, uh, what you can pick up, um, the the male is a native French speaker. Okay. The woman isn't. Um, she speaks with a Turkish, still Tur- uh, speaks with a Turkish accent. Okay. So I don't understand. I probably understand a word or two of what they say, but I don't have any context. Mm-hmm. So I, once I get my aviation, I then go back over and I, I sit back down again. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, I look over at, uh, at, at Summerton and I'm like, I give him the... <laughs> so meanwhile, I will, consider, I will continue single-handedly engaging the rest. <laughs> conversation then more hair raising stories from Duluth <laughs> yes. and then one time um, <laughs> uh, I, I had call to um, to go to uh, Maine where the people eat lobsters imagine that <laughs> just imagine <laughs> Hol- Holbrook, Holbrook smiles uh, Donaldson is just nodding slightly wide-eyed and going, I'm, I'm rather a fan of lobster myself, actually. The cockroaches of the sea. <laughs> he, he blinks. And just no, no they're, not, they're, not, they're not orange until they're cooked. They're, they're actually sort of blue. Mm-hmm. Actually, extraordinary, isn't it? Extraordinary. Now the biologist jumps in and he's like, that depends on the species. <laughs> Here we go. Oh, Some of them are quite red. <laughs> Here we go. Lecture <laughs> oh. mode. During the war. <laughs> Here I was in the jungle. <laughs> if, if you have a psychology score of thirty or more, you can quite easily determine this. You don't even need to roll for this. That they're sounding out and trying to get, uh, trying to do any kind of fishing activity is completely and utterly failing. <laughs> Mainly because Postgate is just stonewalling them to the point where they are becoming so bored. All they want to do is eat and get the hell out of here. <laughs> I've, 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 been in, I've been with the company for a very long time. <laughs> I take a, a drink of I've my wine. I've done this before. <laughs> and I say, I'm from Chicago. <laughs> Ah, oh, do you know South Dearborn Street? I'm told it has um, an unusually high concentration of garment warehouses. I've been, I've been told that too, but now here's the real question. Have you ever been to Joylette? Because that, ooh, talk about, talk about a really fancy place. Just south of Chicago, uh, their main street's great. Lots of gift shops. I actually went into one the other day uh, when I was in the States. 
And boy, they had a lot of postcards for Chicago. But it's just funny because they're south of Chicago. They're not actually Chicago. I've, I've, I've never been there, but my friend Mr. Yao attended a rodeo there once. Where's Mr. Yao from? Can you give me a, a detailed explanation as to his background and location? I, I, I never asked. He's, he's a very <laughs> mysterious gentleman. Oh, did you find him in an occult shop in New York? Oh, no, no. He was a musician of my acquaintance. Oh. At this point... Do they start uh, looking at their watches? They go a step further. Um, <laughs> All right. <laughs> Dolson gives Lorimer a particular look and just just nods very, very slightly. Uh, Lorimer then says, uh, if you excuse me a second, I'm just going to head to the um, to the restroom. I'll be back in a second. Um, he heads out into the lobby, um, going past the restroom door. Um, those of you at a particular angle might notice he actually goes over to see the concierge and has uh, quickly uh, talks with him and you can see a note or a couple of notes being handed uh, over to him or bills rather and he sits back down and about maybe um, 30 seconds to a minute later uh, the concierge comes to the um, comes to the table and comes up to Donaldson and says um, sorry sir but um, the, the office called um, it seems like there's a little bit of a problem um, that's uh, that's happening over there. You, your presence is requested. What are the chances? <laughs> um, at which point he sighs, looks apologetic. Um, I'm sorry, but as uh, a business calls, um, uh, um, Lorma um, Holbrook, you're quite happy to um, come with me now. Oh, um, I was going to talk about Evanston next. It's north of Chicago. Then. Oh, we, we we'll definitely meet up again to um, to uh, to complete our conversation. Oh, here. I do I do hope we will because I, I really really am looking forward to telling you um, about the time I spent three weeks in um, Colville in the state of Washington, which is which is near Spokane. Oh, Spokane's a wonderful town. Don't. Holbrook says, "Isn't that near Loughborough?" Mm. Don't forget to be picking up the tab. Have you there. ever been to to Leatherhead? No, oh. I haven't. Oh, I'm told. I'm told it's the it's the um, it's the very hub of of Britain's BDSM community. Tell me more about it. Give me. Please the... don't. No. No. No, no more. No. Donaldson just reaches into his wallet. He doesn't even bother counting. He just drops a wad of Turkish lira on the table and says, "I'm sure that will cover um, cover all of your uh, expenses. If there's anything more, please by all means send uh, send me a bill. But I've really got to go. Really, Marvelous. really got to go." Uh, I'll, wish, I'll wish Miss Holbrook a good night in German. Thank yeah, uh, And which point they, uh, the three of them leave. Um, you see, Lorimer is desperately trying to resist the urge to break out in laughter as he's walk uh, as he's walking away with them. I think it's celebratory uh, cognac is in order. <laughs> it's like a cartoon where you see like a little dust trail as they leave the hotel so quickly. It's like. <laughs> And like papers, you know, papers are curling up in the air and then falling down. Yeah, tail firmly between their legs. To be honest, I wasn't even born in Chicago. I just know a lot about Chicago and the area. <laughs> I was actually born in Columbia, if you want to know anything about that. Right. Um, people happy with a couple more minutes? I noticed the time's just gone past four. Yeah, we can go a couple minutes if that's okay with everybody. Right. Okay. In which case, say, your, your round of celebratory drinks uh, arrives, and not too long after, you see the two um, 
the couple at the bar, um, the lady gets off, uh, kind of jumps off a um, stool, um, kisses the guy gently on the cheek, and then kind of strokes his arm as she walks away. Um, she heads out into the lobby and goes towards one of the uh, one of the elevators. The Did man, she walk past us at all? Um, she, yeah, she does. She does actually look over towards your table as she walks out with a uh, with a bit of a uh, cur- The edge of her mouth curls in a smile. Boy. Um, can I can I long. get Doctor Jacoby's attention and have him actually look at the woman this time? Yeah, you, um, Jacoby, you can give me an intelligence roll. All right. <laughs> I look at her and I say, "Apparently, I'm dumb." I got a ninety-three. You're oh, drunk. No, Go nothing. home, Jacoby. You're drunk. <laughs> All right, there's a last right there. Right. <laughs> yeah, um, you're no, nothing sparks again. It's not not someone that you've noticed, but there's also something else that maybe maybe might you, you might twig later. But at the minute, the penny hasn't dropped yet. All right. Uh, however, the man starts coming to, over towards your table. Let him keep on walking. I guess we'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, he very, just, just very walks. big lapels. Oh yes. <laughs> I wonder if it's a Tommy Nutter suit. <laughs> he wanders over to the three shares that have now been vacated by the um, by SIS, mm-hmm. and in somewhat heavily accented English, he says, "May I sit down?" I'll be our Ooh. guest. Would you Would you like a glass of cognac? Oh, I certainly wouldn't say no. That would be lovely. And what accent is it? Turkish? Uh, French. French. Okay. Oh, that's right. French. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <coughs> so, um, what what brings you to uh, Istanbul? Oh, myself. Um, I'm actually a talent scout um, by uh, by profession, um, but I've you know, I've got a bit of a problem. Um, it's actually something I was hoping that uh, yourselves might be uh, might be able to help me out. I, I heard for. Um, myself and a, a friend were over at the bar, and I couldn't help but overhear some snippets of conversation. You work for the American consulate. That's correct. Well, we're we're you know, we're on business with the consulate. Huh. Okay. Well, I was hoping you might be able to um, help me with, um, say, a, a, an issue I've got. That I'm looking for someone. Um, but all I have really is a description, and other than I know that they had previously been seen going into the American consulate, um, apparently for, I assume, for business in your, um, what, what, is, what is the word, your um, organization or company? Well, we've only arrived today. We're on a particular uh mission that's classified but uh when did this happen when did you see this person go into the consulate oh this this is just what what i've heard is that he had been seen going into into the consulate and um, this was actually last year uh, around the time of the um uh, the festival that takes place here um the arts festival but um yes it's uh I don't have any contacts in the 
in the consulate. I was wondering if you might be willing to help for a small for a small fee. Well, um, you 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 you'll forgive my 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 cynicism, but um, as my friend here says, we've only been in town for a day. Um, I'm not sure what we could do to help. How you. we could do anything to 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 look into this matter for you? We don't know anyone in the consulate by sight, other than the small number of people we've 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 had to deal with on our on our business trip so far. Um, and certainly no one who just went in there last year. I mean, even I, I doubt very much, even if we asked whether they, they tell us anything. I mean, we're, we're literally just trade delegates. We don't have any clearance for anything in there. Is this a missing person you're looking for? No, I'm, I don't believe he's missing. I just don't know who he is. I'm just trying to find out who he is. Oh, like I said, we we don't know anybody. Do you, do you have a, a picture or a description yeah. of this? I, I can give you a I can give you a description. Yes, um, I've made a, um, a drawing of the individual as well. Um, he reaches into his pocket and pulls out a whatever it looks to be a photograph of a fairly detailed sketch. Um, it shows a man that's in his again fifties, um, more than likely. Uh, native Turk, that, again, not, not someone that you recognize as of yet, as you said, you've only been here a day, but no one that you said, no one that you saw at the, um, at the American consulate. Well, look, um, why don't you jot, jot your details down on the back of that photograph mm -hmm. and leave it with us? Yes, certainly. And, um, if we run into this chap, we'll, uh, we'll let you know. Sure. Um, he nods. Um, he puts his no, name... I'm not sure if an, if an American CIA, CIA agent would say chap. <laughs> Probably not. This guy. We're, we're trying to blend and confuse. <laughs> um, he leaves his name on the back as Benjamin Fuhr. Um My pronunciation of French is probably awful. Um, F-A-U-R-E. And he is currently staying at the Park Hotel. Um, he says, if you um, ask for me at the front desk, then they will obviously be able to uh, send a message to my room. But I would be I'm very grateful for any assistance that you can give me in this matter. Well, I mean, if, if we can help you, obviously, yes, of course, we'll, we'll do anything we can. Um, right. is, is, your friend, is your friend missing? or He's not a friend of mine. He's not a friend of yours. Can we ask what's why why you're looking for this person? Um, you can see he's kind of umming and ahhing. Does he want uh, Does he want to say anything? You can give me a persuade roll to see if you can get anything more out of him. Thirty-two, and my persuade is eighty. Yeah. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so what I say to him is, I say, "Is he sleeping with your wife? Is that why you want to find him?" <laughs> No, no, he's, um, he smiles. I'm actually, um, I'm not married. I have a, I have a, a, a greater calling, unfortunately, so that uh, precludes such matters. I see. Yeah. No, um, myself and this individual um, had an altercation last year. Um, he actually assaulted me um, outside, um, at the outskirts, the outskirts of the festival. 
and I would like to find this uh, find who this individual is and basically begin legal proceedings against him. Well, we don't want to be any part of like a revenge scheme that you might have against this individual. However, I guess we can assume we, we can, we'll see what we can find. Mm-hmm. He, he nods at that. That, that sounds reasonable. So I don't intend revenge isn't necessarily on my cards, but I think a, um, a balancing of accounts would be a better way to put it. But anyway, if you, if, you, if, you're, if you are able to provide me with any help, then that is much appreciated. Well, we'll um, be, sure, be sure to be in contact if we do, yes. Um, would it be acceptable to do a psychology role on the man uh, to see if what, uh, what I'm looking for is his emotional attachment? Is he, uh, from what he just said a moment ago, it, was it perhaps a romantic altercation? Oh, okay. You, you can do a psychology roll there. Okay. No, sorry. Got an 85 out of 50. <laughs> That's no good. Um, as you are all there and listening to him or interacting with him, you can, anyone else that wants to make the roll can. Um, I'd like to make a psychology roll, but specifically just to um, look at um, where his eyes are going when he's... Um, Telling this tale of this assault, mm-hmm. and because um, it's sectorized, isn't it? Yeah. To tell that, whether psychology. Mm-hmm. Yeah, lying, that's the lying and making up a story or relating a memory. Mm-hmm. I did thirty-one out of fifty just to feel this guy up. Okay. Feel him out. Four, Fourteen. I was going to say <laughs> <laughs> that's another way to find out. Hey. <laughs> I am sitting next to him. I mean, uh, well, really next to him. Well, for Eamon, then uh, he is on. He's on the level. Um, this doesn't seem to be um, anything deceitful that he uh, that he's saying. But you catch, especially when he paused over the fact that he said he had a higher calling uh, that he hadn't got, that precluded him from having a relationship. That's a deep nerve. It's something he takes very, very seriously. This is a man who has um, very strong beliefs, maybe religious, maybe political, but beliefs in yeah. some fashion. Uh, I was, my first thought was clergy of some sort. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, very, very strong. Like burning rage of a thousand suns that he's keeping very well hidden, but not okay. necessarily as yourself. And for postgate. Uh, no, he is definitely recounting a memory. Um, there's a good degree of anger behind that memory. He really did not like the fact that what led up to this assault. He is keeping details of that concealed, maybe as to why, how it started and so on. But he's not lying. This is an event that actually happened to him. Okay. But as I say, he, gets, he starts to get up from the table and says, as I said, if you can provide any assistance, I would be very, very grateful. So, um, otherwise, gentlemen, I will uh, give you bon appetit. I'll slip the uh, photograph into my pocket. Only because I'm curious. Who was that uh, we last you were sitting at the bar with? Oh, her. Yes, a um, very interesting 
lady I've been put in touch with, um, again, to help with my, um, with my search. Um, why do you ask? I just thought she was uh, a bit of a looker. <laughs> I'm just curious. No, she, um, yeah, she is uh, a lady of yeah, hidden talents. Her look is very unique. Yeah, he, his eyes open a little wider and says, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think that's unique is a uh, good word to use. Right. <laughs> we'll do what we can. Perfect. That's that's all I ask. And in return, um, if uh, admittedly a, a man of my uh, modest talents um, is able to help you in any way, like a quid pro, a quid pro quo, then by all means, feel free to contact me. Yes, if we need a model or an actor of some sort, we'll uh, contact. Act- actors and dancers are, spe- are a speciality of mine. I see. All right. Gentlemen, should we call it an evening? Sure. That's a nice place to break. Yeah. Oh, I my character was saying that. So that was both in and out of character. <laughs> oh, 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 all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that's that's cool. That's a good spot. All right. <clears throat> Our players for this episode included Jeff Wilkins, Bill Mize, Lucas Glasshauer, uh, Mick Swan, Thomas McKeon, and myself with Matthew Sanderson as a keeper of the secrets. We're currently producing four shows a week with music and sound effects added in post-production in order to create a richer listener experience. We provide audio-only versions of our shows free for you to download from Podbean or iTunes. If you'd like to become a patron, visit our Patreon account. Just a dollar or two a month helps us a lot. Like, share, and subscribe to our channel for updates on our latest shows and leave us some comments. We like reading them. This is Tom Rayleigh together with all the members of our gaming club inviting you to journey with us once again into the darkness for another adventure into the universe of H.P. Lovecraft and the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game. Until next time, good luck and good gaming.